You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon B. from 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, Ohio. It is Monday, the 17th, and the Buckeyes have returned home from Jerry's World Beam with a 40-28 to dub over the TCU Horn Frogs. Beam, what's good, my brother? Matty, hope you had a good weekend. Rainy, drizzly, cloudy day in Columbus today, but that like doesn't it. stop the, sh- the sun from shining on the Buckeye State, man. It's a uh, a great Monday to be an Ohio State fan. Right. Uh, that game against TCU had everything you wanted in it. Uh, it really had the feel of a big-time college football game. I know that we built it up that entire week leading up to it, that it was going to be a huge game uh, for both teams. And, um, you know, I went into the game, Matt, thinking that Ohio State was going to be able to um, – you know, blow my expectations out of the water. Right, right, right. But then TCU comes out of the gates, man. That's a good team. Yep. TCU, Texas Christian, is a hell of a football team. They had a great game plan dialed up early on. That first drive that TCU ran, it seemed to be everything that we were talking about last week. It was bubble screens. It was quick hitches. Everything to test those Ohio State linebackers in the secondary. TCU, boom, bang, goes right down the field, scores. And uh, you were sweating a little bit early on in that Ohio State game. But no doubt, doubt, nonetheless, man, uh, Ohio State comes back. They rally to win and uh, in great fashion. But that football game had everything you could possibly want in it. Oh, man, it it was an absolutely phenomenal game. And for me, walking away from that, I mean, if I'm a Buckeye fan today, I feel really good being that my team stepped into a ring, got punched in the mouth, Mm -hmm. They got some blood drawn a little bit, but they hung in there round after round, punch after punch, and came out victorious. I mean, I was really impressed by this because we've been doing the podcast here for a couple weeks, and you're talking about Rutgers. You're talking about Oregon State and just blowing those teams off the field every single Saturday. It was good to see this team finally get tested against TCU. And like you mentioned, TCU, we got to give them a lot of credit because we were talking all week long, and we were thinking this was a not a typical Big Ten, Big 12 team because we knew they played solid defense under Gary Patterson, but this was a team that we didn't think that had the depth that Ohio State had round for round, player for player, and it showed a little bit late in the game. But you got to give them a ton of credit because they came into this game ready to roll, and that's going to be a team moving forward that you keep your eye on because this loss is not going to hurt them at all. If Ohio State continues to do what they do well and TCU gets to the Big 12 unscathed and they win that conference, look for them to be in the discussion as far as possibly getting to the college football playoff because I think that's a really talented team with a young quarterback who's just figuring things out, and he was going up against a defensive team and an Ohio State-led team by Greg Schiano, former NFL head coach. So I'm sure he's seen some things beam on Saturday that he's never seen in his entire life, and it was good to see him respond. But all in all, Ohio State comes out victorious, 40-28. to This is the fifth straight win um, for Ohio State against top 15 teams. So Ohio State fans should feel really good about their team going into big-time games because you've got a really good coaching staff. They're going to have those guys prepared every single time they take the field. And I, I was just over and I was overly impressed again by what we saw from Dwayne Haskins. I mean, this is a guy oh, man. 24 of 38, 344 yards. Four drop passes on the night. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. And two TDs, no picks. I mean, 
This was he was impressive. I, I mean, it was big stuff. It big was time stuff on a huge, huge stage. This guy is not afraid of anything, and I guess we should have known that this was a real thing from Dwayne Haskins when we saw what he did against Michigan last year. But for him to solidify this moment as to me right now the best quarterback in college football, uh, it, it was a special moment for her. Number seven on Saturday. Well, I think it's uh, you know really really cool that um, it's just. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you were watching the game on Saturday night, uh, if you followed this team at all during the offseason, you know Dwayne Haskins' background story. You know, go back, go back 10 years and look at the video of him in the Ohio State locker room. He's wearing the number seven jersey. He's got the headband on as a young kid. Incredible. He's a Buckeye fan, and he's like, I'm going to play quarterback here one day. And then what happens? You fast forward 10 years. Here we are in the 2018 college football season. Dwayne Haskins has the keys to the Ohio State offense, Maddie. And throughout the first three games, he has done – he has performed above our expectation level. Way and this it. is coming from uh, two guys who live in Columbus, Ohio. We live, sleep, breathe, eat. Ohio State football, we try to ingest as much information as we can. Yep. You come out of spring camp, you're thinking, all right, you know, Joe Burrow's gone, he's down to LSU. This offense is going to be the Dwayne Haskins show. You get into fall camp, you hear nothing but good things about Dwayne. You go into the first game against Oregon State, easy peasy, five touchdown performance. You go into Rutgers, same thing, yeah. same exact thing. And then you have a big-time college football game down in Dallas 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away on a bus ride from TCU's campus, and the dude just goes out there and goes absolutely wild. And it's for the first time that I have almost felt, Maddie, that the comfort level, even if Ohio State is trailing, they're trailing in this game. Yeah. You know, TCU's doing whatever they can on offense to try and keep the Buckeyes on their heels. But when that offense takes the field, there is so much calm, cool, yes. and collectedness yes. about Dwayne Haskins in that offense. Third and six, third and seven. It's like, all right, you know, you have a shot to make any sort of play that you want yeah. when Dwayne Haskins is back there. But for the first three weeks, you're absolutely right. It's been it's been Dwayne Haskins and it's been Tua Tungavailoa. Those have been the <laughs> I mean, two guys. I, I, I was just sitting here thinking while you were talking about Dwayne. Is there a quarterback right now that if we had to go out for one game that I would pick above him? And I don't think there no, is. No, I don't either. I don't think there's a quarterback in college football right now that I'd rather have do than Dwayne Haskins. He's battle-tested now. He's been through the ringer in some tough games going back to last year. And he's taking care of opponents that he's supposed to have taken care of on the field. When you're talking about Rutgers, when you're talking about uh, Oregon State, he has taken care of business against those teams and against a top 15 team in their home state, not too far away from their campus. We knew Buckeye fans were going to show up, but it looked like there was a lot of purple in the house as well. He gives you 352 total yards and three total touchdowns. He had the one rushing touchdown, three carries for eight yards uh, for, for Dwayne Haskins. So, no, Beam, I, I just really love this kid and what he's been able to do so far. You're talking about 78% of his passes being completed, 11 TDs to one pick right now for three games. Yeah, and that's just – it's it's unbelievable. Um, just the amount of composure that he has back there in the pocket. And that was the one thing that we were a little bit worried about uh, during the Oregon State game, Maddie, was that, all right, he threw that pick down by the red zone. Uh, he got a guy pushed back into him. He kind of throws a throws an errant pass sure. right across the middle of the field. It gets intercepted. That was something that we looked at as a growing point for Dwayne Haskins. How is he going to be able to now step into the pocket, your pocket presence, your comfortability back there? And, you know, on Saturday night, 
I didn't see that from Dwayne. I didn't see oh. the happy feet. Right. All I saw was composure. This dude is stepping into every single throw. Yep. If there's pressure in his face, some of the throws that he's making to the sidelines, some out routes, oh. uh, crossing patterns, it really is every time. And I don't know if you feel this way the same way that I do, but every time there's a ball in the air, it's like you almost think it's going to hit the dudes Unreal. right in between the middle of their numbers on yeah. the jersey. It's a beautiful thing. When you talk about the back shoulder slash oh. fade that he threw the K.J. Hill. It's in the, the only mo- place where he could catch it. And in the moment in yeah. time where you have to have that throw too, I mean, that is just big time stuff right there from a young guy. I mean, you can't speak enough about how well he's playing. And in the moments where you have to have throws, he steps up big time. Here's Dwayne on what he saw from TCU's defense on Saturday night. TCU does a lot of stuff on tape, so it isn't like it's like something we haven't seen before. It just depends on what they want to run that for that specific game. So um, today we, we got a lot of pressure. We got a lot of one man. We were expecting some more quarters. They did quarters a little bit, but they didn't do as much because we threw some posts last week against Rutgers. So, um, you know, Gary Patterson's a really good head coach, and uh, he did a good job calling plays today. And when you mentioned that post route, Bean, that, that lets me know that Gary Patterson was going to let – uh, try to do everything that he could to let, not let these receivers get behind him, behind them. And they did a pretty good job of that. But when you look at what the Ohio State receivers were able to do, I mean, K.J. Hill, have we been sleeping on K.J. Hill a little bit? Because going back to last that's year. That's obviously, that's his guy. I, I think it is his guy. And, but I think Austin Mack kind of his guy, too, even though with the drops. Yep. That's a, I don't want to say that's a big time problem. I think maybe when you look at how Austin Mack early in that game, he drops that potential touchdown pass. Maybe that gets it to his head a little bit. Sure. And he couldn't just crawl out of that space. But when you look at KJ Hill and Austin Mack and Paris Campbell takes that bubble screen all the way to the house by a beautiful block by our guy, Rashad Berry, uh-huh. by the way, who's not going to get a lot of love. But Rashad Berry, if you go back and watch that play, it was a beautiful screen. They're spreading the ball out beam so well with these veteran receivers. I mean, it is a pick-your-poison type of offense right now. And all of those guys, Beam, came back for this reason. Because they knew what number seven could do sure. back there, and they knew he could elevate their play. And you just go back and look at the box score from Saturday night. I mean, Austin Mack, with all those drops, Beam, four catches still for 84 yards. Yeah, and that's pretty good. And that uh, the big time over-the-top uh, ball to start the game out, you get the ball down, what, the three- or four-yard line. Uh, was really unbelievable. But not only, Maddie. I mean, you know that Dwayne Haskins coming into this offense, these guys uh, for Ohio State are choosing to return who are wide receivers thinking that it's going to help their stock. It doesn't just help them right now in the moment to win Ohio State football games. This has to absolutely help their NFL draft stock. So oh, they come they come into the season thinking, listen, I have trust and I have faith in number seven back there to be able to stand in the pocket and throw me balls right to my hand. If I go out and catch everything, this could be a truly special season for Ohio State. And it shows NFL scouts, too, at the next level that you are able to catch balls from an NFL quarterback and a pro-style offense that you can do it on the biggest level. And it showed you this weekend. I mean, there isn't one receiver on this team uh, that I don't think has a future in the NFL just because of the way uh, that these games are going. Yeah. You look at Paris Campbell, he's got the burning speed. K.J. Yes. Hill, Terry McLaurin, you know, even look at Ben Victor. Uh, Austin Mack is another guy who I, I think, think he's has, a pro. I do too. I yeah. think I think they all have good time pro potentials. I'm not going to say they're going to go out and be Michael Thomas, right, but I think right. that they'll all make rosters, and Boy. I think that they'll all have future in the leagues. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it's unbelievable – when you think about just the composure back there for Dwayne Haskins, not one time was I nervous when he let the ball loose no. and in the air. Not one time. No, no, not one time. And you, you talk about Paris Campbell. That's a guy that I've always had a little, 
a little soft spot for Track because speed, man. when you see him with the ball in his hands, Good it's night. electrifying, right? And he's had a bit of a problem with the drops throughout his career. That's Fumbles well, been yeah, a big thing that, for him. That's all well documented. When you get the rock into his hands, beam, it is a problem. So this is a well-rounded receiver group. They've got all they've got different receivers too, right? It's not just all speed. Sure. It's not all big body guys. They've got different type of receivers, and I think that's just scary good. And you have to give a lot of credit to Brian Hartline as well for getting these guys going. Absolutely. Uh, with all the adversity that this, especially this group faced this offseason, because it hit them directly more than the other guys on the team, he got those guys ready to rock, and he's a former pro. Clearly, he knows what he's doing, and I can t- I, I fully expect the receivers at Ohio State to continue to play really, really well. Before we get on to a break, we got to show the running back some love since we're talking about this offense being because you're talking about 18 carries each for J.K. Dobbins and Mike mm-hmm. Weber. J.K. Dobbins going home just happened to be the dude for Ohio State this week, and I, I think that's going to continue to, to uh, kind of be the case moving forward. We'll see the split carries all year long, and I have no problem with it. We were talking no, about me either. 18 for 121, uh, 6.7 a pop for J.K., and 18 for 64 for Mike Weber. Not terrible, but you'd like to see a little bit better average per carry, but Mike Weber's been solid all year long, but J.K. Dobbins was a monster on Saturday night. It was uh, really later on in the game. You know, I thought TCU had a pretty good game plan early on. Uh, where they were kind of bottling up J.K. and Mike both. Yes. And it just, you know, later in the game, and this is what we talked about. We talked about it all last week when we were previewing TCU, is that if you can get the pass game going early, which Ohio State did, and they did it successfully, if you can get the pass game, the air game, going early, then later on in the game, those two running backs become so much more valuable. And you saw it the last, what was it, three or four possessions for Ohio State where they were literally just handing the ball yeah. off to J.K. Dobbins, and TCU couldn't tackle him. No. They couldn't bring him down. Right. They looked like they were totally gassed. Yes. J.K. Dobbins was fresh because of their alternating series. Right. Mike Weber's going in one series. J.K. Dobbins is going in the next. And that really was the case where Ohio State put the nail on the coffin because they were able to run the ball late in games. Now, sometimes you'll see it different where sometimes you'll see Ohio State come out here and try to run the, get the run game established right. early. Uh, but that wasn't the case on Saturday. They got the, the pass game going. Uh, and then later in the game, like I said, the, uh, the hammer in the coffin for the Horned Frogs was the run game behind the legs of J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. And the thing that surprised me the most, Maddie, is that you think of J.K. Dobbins as this guy, uh, when he gets out into space, he can make people miss. But when that guy runs between the tackles, and I didn't see one time where he was taken down by one guy the whole night. And he always fell forward. He didn't fall backwards. That's the sign of a great elite running back. There wasn't one, one time that I saw Dobbins get tripped up by one person. I mean, he was bouncing off tackles left and right, uh, and especially late on that in that game when you needed to get yardage. That's exactly what they did, and it was just fantastic performance all around from the Ohio State offense, I thought. One more clip here from Dwayne Haskins before we hit a break and a message from FanDuel. Here's Dwayne on the uh, Paris-Campbell touchdown screen all the way to the house. Yeah, so I think it was a play before Mike ran the ball. It was like second and nine, and then, um, you know, we needed a big play, and Paris is really good for making big plays, and... Um, you know, we were down, needed to make something in the game happen. We called a screen to him, and all I, I seen him catch the ball, and I was seeing that block set up. It's all he's out. So, I mean, Paris is a really fast, really fast player, and I'm glad he made that momentum shift for us. And being the block he's talking about was from our guy Rashad Berry. He gets uh-huh. out, seals the, uh, right. the DB on the outside, and creates that one little crease for Paris Campbell. When you got a speedster like Paris Campbell, that's all you need. Before we hit a break here, my guy Beam's got a message from our people from FanDuel. Yeah, we were uh, you know, talking about FanDuel. We come in Monday morning and we all talk about our fantasy football games. So maybe you ask, what's new this year 
for 2018 for FanDuel. They got a bunch of different uh, play styles for you, Maddie. What you can do, they have a gridiron pick 'em. Users will choose winning teams from all the Sunday games. $10,000 will be split amongst the top players every week. Unlike Survivor, the prizing here is not season long, so users should feel to free feel free to jump in at any point in the game. You want to talk about, well, how can I play with my friends? You know, I go to other services and I play with my friends. Well, FanDuel is more fun when you play with your friends. In the past, they haven't made it that easy to do. This season, they've completely reworked the friends' capabilities to include easier ways to invite people, a more accessible way to start a head-to-head, and a better po- product integration so you can track how your friends are doing on FanDuel. So go to FanDuel, check those guys out uh, for Daily Fantasy. Uh, you know it's big time uh, this this part of the season uh, with NFL and college football going around, so go to Fan- FanDuel and check our guys out. This is Locked On Buckeyes, your team every day. All right, let's hit the defensive side of the ball because it was kind of a bittersweet game as far as the defense goes when you talk about the best player on the team, Nick Bosa, being nicked mm-hmm. up. And, and what we know right now as we sit here uh, this morning is that it's an, it's been labeled as, what, an abdomen injury? Yeah, beam? lower ab strain um, is what I've heard. So we will obviously have more information for you guys tomorrow when we come in and do the pod. But as as far as it sits right now, I think men- mentally being Buckeye fans should prepare themselves for Nick Bosa to be out for a while. Now, the one thing that they should be encouraged about is what Ohio State does really well every offseason, and that's recruit at a really high level. Sure. So, there is no replacing what could be the potential number one overall pick. We get that. But at a school like at Ohio State, when you see Chase Young, you see Jonathan Cooper, you see Draymond Jones, you yep. see B.B. Landers, and you and that group's led by a beast of a coach by named Larry Johnson, I think they'll be able to maintain a little bit because you're looking at the schedule now. You've got Tulane this week, and you got the big one next week against yep. Penn State. But after that, if Nick Bosa is going to be out for, let's say, four to five games or maybe even a little bit more to that, I think they may be able to sustain this blow because defensively, up front, they have bodies up there beam that can make plays. Yeah, I was just um... – you know, I go back and every Sunday after an Ohio State game, I rewatch the game. And um, with Nick Bosa being out uh, after he got out of this game, I went back and I was I was really locked in on the D line play, Maddie, just yeah. to see what kind of pressure these guys were getting to. And to, to credit TCU, uh, you know, they were doing everything they could to keep Sean Robinson out of trouble early on in that game, uh, and they did. They they made quick hitters, they made screens to keep him away from eliminating. Uh, that pressure getting to him for him to make dumb decisions. And what I saw when I went back and watched this game was guys were getting off the ball so fast. When you look at a guy like Bob Landers, who we talk about all the time, he gets slept on, man. He's not the biggest dude in the world. No. I think he's listed at six foot one, two hundred and he's he's not. He's not. (laughs) Maybe six one with two inch cleats on. Like I've been around this dude. He's not a big dude. Uh, he comes from Dayton, Huber Heights, Wayne. Shout out to the G Walk. No doubt. Um, they they he goes in there. He explodes off the ball. He times up those snap counts so well, where yeah. he's exploding off the ball before most offensive linemen are even coming out of their stance. When you look at the other side, you know Draymond Jones pick six. Uh, in the game, uh, Sean Robinson had a little inside flip option ready for him. Draymond Jones gets in there, blows that play up, makes a great run after the catch oh, to the be able to get back it. inside oh, with the was, juke move. Yeah, it was beautiful. Hit the R one button on him. Yeah, he really did. Uh, so that was fantastic to see. Uh, but then you guys, you got guys, of course, uh, like Jonathan Cooper and um, and Chase Young. Yes. And yes, it sucks to lose Nick Bosa. It you does. know it, it, that. There's no way around that. That's the best player, in my opinion, in college football. 
sure. what he was able to do sure. early uh, in this game while he was still in the game. He is absolutely amazing. He is a havoc wreaker when he's in the game, and there's no other way around it. No. That sucks. That really does suck. Yep. But the thing that should make you feel good is that you're not weak at that position. You are not yes. weak on the defensive line. This is the one, the biggest strength on this team is the Ohio State defensive line. So when you have a guy uh, like Nick Bosa go down, I know it's not going to be the same productivity. Right. If Nick Bosa was in there, yeah. but it's going to be pretty close, yeah. and it's not going to be a glaring weakness. No. It'd be different. You know, you lose Tough Borland for for six to eight weeks, then that would cause a problem. Right. If that would a, be worrisome, no you, doubt. You, lose, you lose Jordan it, Fuller for a lot of same, time. Yeah, I think you got a big time problem. Maybe even one of the right. corners right now, because when you just look at the way that Larry Johnson runs his unit since he's been here, it's not always just one dude. It is going to be the Rushman package moving right. forward. And I don't think those guys are going to expect much of a change there. So you have veterans up front. This is why Draymond Jones came back. Mm-hmm. I thought last year maybe he should have gone to the league. I thought he could have easily been a second or third round yeah, pick. Yeah, me too. I think when you're looking at it now, he'll definitely for sure be a second round pick easily, I believe, in this year's draft because that is such a valuable thing. And we talked about it on Friday from our guy B.B. Landers and Draymond Jones. We knew they were going to focus on not letting Chase Young and Nick Bosa beat him on the outside. So those guys getting pass rush up the middle was so big. And you talk about that play that Draymond Jones had had you just don't see a lot of d tackles Move like nose that. tackles Whoa. that play in front of the guard center guard combination to be that quick off the yep. ball so you're talking about cat-like quickness from bb landers and draymond jones for him to slip inside right there beam oh, and God, make so robinson good. panic and get that flip and take it to the house and you mentioned the athleticism if you look like a tight end getting into the box there i mean that was absolutely incredible by those guys and there's a difference between Good defensive players and great defensive players. In my mind, great defensive players put points on the board. I mean, you see it all the time. Your guy, Peanut Tillman for the Bears, oh, I mean, yeah. for years and years Peanut and years. Punch, baby. Get that punch out and put points on the board defensively. That's what makes you a really great defensive player. And you saw that from Nick Bosa, and you saw that from Draymond Jones in the game. Here's Ryan Day talking about uh, the defense coming up with big uh, two TDs in the game on Saturday. To get two scores like that, three turnovers. I mean, uh, guys played unbelievable, came up in a big way, and anytime you're playing in a big game like that, when you can get any kind of turnover, forget two turnovers for touchdowns, uh, that's that's huge in a game like this. And so hats off to, uh, you know, Greg and the whole staff, you know, for, for putting together a good game plan and slowing down a really explosive offense. Yeah, I mean, you have to give those guys credit because – uh, TCU, I really was impressed with what Robinson was able to do because, I mean, those guys, when you talk about Sean Robinson, 24, 43-08, 1-TD, 2-picks, I mean, that's not a great game, but f- he was a lot better than what I thought he'd be. Yeah, me too. I, I thought this offense, when you talk about Darius Anderson going for 12 for 154 and two touchdowns, I mean, they impressed me. They really did impress me. So you have to give them credit. So now I think we get back to what I thought was a little bit of a weakness earlier in the year, and I still think is a weakness. And you're talking about the safety position opposite Jordan Fuller. It looks like it's a little up and down now where you talk about when they had a big play there late in the game. He's not ready to go. I don't think he's ready to he go. Just, so, he, he'll get there, Maddie. Right. But that was the one thing on Saturday. Um, you go back to Wentz Troubles uh, in the first game against Oregon State. He had a problem. Then you go into this game. Uh, he gets burnt on a big-time play and a time where TCU uh, was starting to knock on the top of the casket where um, you know that thing is getting lowered into the ground. Yep. They come back in that game, um, and Jason Jason went, excuse me, yep. uh, gets burnt, and he's just he's not ready to go. No, it, it, you know it just it sucks to say, yeah, because usually 
this this secondary for so long and a Kerry Combs had been had been so good and you throw guys in there and you feel comfortable. But it's obvious to me that that Jocelyn Wentz just he's not ready to go at yep. this time. And this is what happens when you recruit at a high level yeah. and you have guys leave early for the NFL. Where you talk right. about even it kind of I think started with Tyvis Powell, he leaves, then Malik Hooker comes in, he leaves, and then you lose Damon Webb, veteran guys, but at the time they were taking up a lot of the playing time, so maybe these young guys just weren't getting the tick that they needed in games, and so it's showing a little bit in the game. So that's hurting them a little bit on the back end, where you talk about that huge Anderson run up the sideline. Give their give them credit. Their own line sure. gets to the second level. I can't remember who the safety was at the time. Was it Went or was it – it was number 12. Who was – um? I'm forgetting his name right now. But it was a bad angle by whoever the safety was, and that's right. been a problem. That's what we saw against Oregon State, is that these bad angles that they're taking when they have to make the tackle is becoming a problem. That, by the the way is the longest play from scrimmage in Ohio State history against an Ohio State defense that 90 yard run 90 yard plus run by Anderson so we're not freaking out yet you got an opponent coming in against Tulane so maybe you get some things figured out but going into Penn State being you want to feel hostile environment hostile environment explosive offense and we'll get into more some Big Ten stuff later throughout the week but you kind of keep your eye on Penn State that offense is starting to roll a little bit so these guys got to get it figured out what they're doing on the back end Jordan Fuller I'm not worried about but the guys opposite of him got to start playing at a better level yeah, no doubt. I think when you you look at the Ohio State defense, like I just said in this you know last part where we were talking, was that the D line is so good that all your secondary has to do. And I know it sounds easy for me talking from a radio studio, and I know it's not easy covering guys like Turpin and Rager who are good absolute, players. They're barn burners, man. Those guys right. have some some right. absolute wheels on them. Um, but when you you're covering guys like that. You know, you expected the big time play, uh, maybe through the air a little bit because of uh, because of the secondary. You didn't expect a 93 yard run to the house uh, on the seven yard line. That's something that you don't expect. Even if a running back gets through that first level, you expect your linebackers to be there. Uh, and I think it was Malik Harrison who chose the wrong gap. He didn't have his right gap responsibility. Chose the right gap, got funneled inside, uh, and they they run it to the house. Uh, 93 yards, which is the longest play that Ohio State's ever given ever. up, uh, which is shocking to me, yeah. you know, because there's only six more options to give up longer plays. <laughs> it's either 94, 95, 96, 98, 99, <laughs> That's uh, it. but they give up a 93-yard run. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, you you have to feel good about it, and I know that Greg Schiano has talked about limiting the chunk plays. Yes. That's the biggest thing. It's got to happen. You, you, can't, you can't do it if you want to win college football games you, you cannot give up chunk plays and they had two big ones they had right. the one where Robinson throws it over the top for a touchdown and then they had the 93 the yard run, run. Yeah. you cannot continue to do that or else you will get burnt later on in the season burnt. sometime and later later or not right. you will get beat because you are giving up chunk plays at, at that much of a clip and look you got two lane this week they should handle their business but you never want to overlook an opponent but we know this beam from the last couple years and Penn State with McSorley they love big Place. Sure. They're going to take shots down the field. And if they His know, celebration is a home uh, of run. Of course, the home run. If they know that there's a weakness back there in the secondary, they're going to go after it. Before we hit a quick break, we'll come back. We'll talk about Ryan Day and just how we've been impressed with him throughout his three games as the interim head coach. But I want to let you know about our guys from my book. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my book. You remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet on my bookie. Trust me, guys. 
They're your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants you to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on a deposit on over $100. Join now at my bu- and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You are Locked On Buckeyes, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. So, Beam, it's a wrap for the Ryan Day era as the interim head coach. Urban is now officially back in charge of things. And, I mean, where do we begin with how impressed I've been with him? I've been, since the first time we heard him speak at the press conference. He commanded the room. A couple weeks ago, he took over the room, and you can tell, okay, He's got that it factor in him. This is a guy that you can see leading a program moving forward, and nothing that I've seen throughout three weeks has changed my mind. I mean, this guy has absolutely stepped in and done a heck of a job, and he had the biggest test of his probably coaching career on Saturday night, and he absolutely crushed it in my mind. And now everyone around college college football knows that this guy is an offensive-minded boss, and he will come in. If you have the guys there, if you feel like he can lead your program, give him a couple years to get it going, Beam. I would feel really good about having Ryan Day as my head coach if I was a college fan looking for one this offseason. I would too, and you just go back to Saturday night. We talked about last week how this is going to be the biggest job interview of Ryan Day's career, and the only thing that I could say is that the dude passed every single class that you asked him to. Flying colors. He is a magna cum laude, top of the class, class president, give him everything that you want because uh, for the first three games, uh, he did nothing but impress me, and you look at uh, what Ohio State has done In those three games, you have a quarterback who has been absolutely out of his mind. You have two running backs who have been uh, going wild. You've got an offensive line that's protecting your quarterback uh, with great, great ability. And you have wide receivers who are absolutely out there making plays. And when that happens, uh, you know that he's just he's every single play call. It seems that uh, you think that there's going to be a big play opportunity for Ohio State. Uh, And so just nothing but credit to Ryan Day. You knew that going into this game against TCU that this was going to be the big moment. This was going to be the big moment for him, and he passed with absolute flying colors. He's amazing. Um, You couldn't have asked for a better three-game stretch to open up the season without your boss being back there. Here is how he would assess his uh, time as the interim head coach. I haven't haven't really had a chance to sit back and, and think about that, to be honest with you. Just um, trying to get the quarterbacks better, trying to help the offense the best best we can, and then um, you know when coach isn't here, you know keeping the thing going. And and, and so obviously we get him back tomorrow and, and uh, fired up about that. Um, you know our goal was to get three and zero, and so that when coach got back, he had a team that was three and zero, and so uh, that goal was accomplished. But we got a lot ahead of us. He's humble, and I like that from him. Obviously, I wasn't going to sit. I wasn't expecting him being to come up there and say, you know what. I'm a, I'm a boss. You no. Know? What else did you expect from <laughs> right. me? Exactly. No, so he's coming in. He knows the role that he was playing, and he did a heck of a job, and he will have people calling his phone for sure at the end of the season. So, no, for me, I give him an A-plus for what he did. For yeah, sure. me too. I'm going to be so interested to see what happens this offseason. And uh, we were talking to one of our producers uh, before we came in here and did this podcast. We were talking to uh, Mark Finch, who produces Bishop and Laurinaitis right here every day from 10 to noon on 97.1 The Fan, and he made a uh, a great point, I thought, where he said he said to me earlier in the day, how important was it that Ohio State gave Ryan Day a pay raise to keep him from going back to the yep. NFL with Mike Vrabel and going to join the Tennessee Titans? Sure. And when you look at it, 
you look at a guy who came in here, like we said, passed with flying colors, got an A plus on the grading scale uh, for stepping into this thing. And you know, I'm sure there has been problems. I'm sure there's been problems in, where he's learning and he's trying to figure this thing out on the fly. Right. And you're trying to uh, keep a billion dollar empire, you know. Right online. You're trying to stay in a national championship hunt with one of the most uh, talented teams in college football. So uh, when you go into a season like that, but it was so important for Ohio State to keep him on staff because uh, there would be no other guy, I think, on the staff who could have handled that as well. I think Shiano would have been fine. Uh, I think Kevin Wilson would have been fine to be thrown in there. Uh, But absolutely great job from Ryan Day. He did nothing but impress me at his time as uh, Ohio State interim head coach, the acting head coach for the Buckeyes. And um, we're sitting here, Maddie, on Monday, September 17th. Shout out to uh, Meredith, my wife. It's her birthday. and uh, Happy birthday, Meredith. And Papa's back. Urban is back back on campus. He's back. You get a guy in his time here at Ohio State. And he's going to want to rip heads off. Yes, he is. There's going to be a revenge tour. And I'd imagine that skulls are going to be rolling here uh, in the next couple of weeks. He's going to want to rip heads off. All right, 34 and 5 Ohio State is and road slash neutral site games in the urban era. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. All right, that's a wrap for today. We will be back tomorrow. We will definitely focus more on urban, how we think maybe this offense will change or maybe not change. We'll get into all of that. We'll probably have a nice update for you on Nick Bosa. We'll dive into more uh, Ohio State stuff all throughout the week. This is the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon B. from 97.1 The Fan. Thanks for listening.